This is Comic Shenanigans episode 204, flashback to DC's Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Welcome to Comic Shenanigans, I'm your host Adam Chapman, this is episode 204, it's the flashback to DC's Countdown to Infinite Crisis episode. Uh, this is going to be a little bit shorter than uh, your normal uh, even-numbered episode. I usually do at least half an hour, if not longer. Uh, today, due to time constraints, it's going to be closer to about 20 minutes or so. Um, I was going to originally look at the entirety of the Infinite Crisis storyline, including the uh, Countdown um, miniseries and one-shot. Uh, due to time constraints, it's not going to be possible today. However, we will get a chance to talk about at least the beginning of the Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Um, the first thing we're going to discuss is the actual... Uh, I, think, I forget the actual name of the uh, title now of the issue. Uh, I have the trade paperback right now. It's uh, Countdown to Infinite Crisis number one. Um, this was a very big release when it first came out. Uh, it was a really big deal. Uh, it kind of launched uh, what was going to become known as uh, Infinite Crisis and the lead up to it. Um, it was a polarizing story in terms of its uh, what it what it did and, um, and and how important it would end up being. It definitely kind of it took a, a major character well not a major character but it took a um a rep not nah, i don't know if reputable it took a dc character out of play in a big way um and that you know was kind of a really big deal so when did the countdown first come out well it came out in um i think it was like around april or may 2005 uh so it's been you know nine almost ten years um since it came out and uh it's it's an interesting look at a story because it's ostensibly a launching pattern for, or launching pad sorry for four miniseries that would come out um but at, at the same time manages to tell its own story and it's kind of interesting to look at in terms of uh launching of this big ship that was infinite crisis because it was actually quite ingeniously done in a lot of ways so you have this this you know this uh main story in this one shot which is actually very cohesive and comprehensive and it's actually probably the best blue beetle story uh at least ted cord they'll ever read um and then at the same time it has these few pages where they kind of set up the the four countdown miniseries that would end up becoming part of uh the kind of the road to infinite crisis now people had already had a sense that a crisis was coming there had been a few kind of hints leading up to this countdown period but uh, this was the first time that we kind of knew something was coming, and, and even then, we didn't really know what that was. Um, in, in fact, in a lot of ways, you wouldn't, didn't really know until you read Infinite Crisis number one. Uh, but all these countdown series still felt important, still felt like they added something, and it was changing and building a world uh, so that when it came time for Infinite Crisis to actually unspool, um, the world was a, a different place uh, and ready for the seismic changes that Infinite Crisis itself would bring to the heroes and titles involved in the series. Um, so if you've not read the Countdown to Infinite Crisis one-shot, um, it is absolutely fantastic. I mean, the artwork, first of all, on the issue is uh, is really good. Um, you have Ragnar Morales and Michael Blair doing a chapter. You have Ed Bennis doing a chapter. Jesus Says and Jimmy Palmiotti doing a chapter. Uh, Ivan Reyes or Ivan Reese, I guess, and Mark Campos doing a, a section. And then you also have Phil Jimenez and Andy Lanning doing a chapter as well. So those are some top-flight um, artists. And the whole thing was written by uh, Jeff Johns, Greg Rucka, and Judd Winnick, uh, who are a powerhouse team, if uh, you've ever heard of one. I kind of miss seeing Greg Rucka's name um, 
he's a really good writer, and I just wish that he got more play from DC. I feel like he just kind of got shown the door at some point. Judd Winnick, you don't see his name much anymore. Jeff Johns, obviously, is everywhere. Um, it was just, it's just a really strong Ted Cord story. You feel for Ted Cord. You understand all the characters in his life. Um, as, as you, you, as you go through it, you feel like shit, shit's going down. There's, you know, how, how is Ted Cord going to get out of this? He infiltrates Checkmate. He, you flash back to kind of his journey that eventually led him to Checkmate, how he, he thought something was happening. Well, at the same time, you have these other aspects of things are going on in DC universe. You have Batman realizing that brother Eye is out there, which is kind of the, a big deal. And the first big time that was happening. Um, and the idea that you know, he knows that something, and also he knows everything that they did. So that's a reference to what had happened after Identity Crisis, uh, the revelation that Batman had his mind tampered with by the Justice League at one point, um, and to not remembering that they did a mind wipe. Um, as Ted Kord is, is determining this, you also have the supervillains gathering as the society is first starting to pull together, and they are ruled by Deathstroke, Dr. Psycho, Lex Luthor, Calculator, Talia, Al Ghul, and Black Adam, which is one hell of an assemblage of people, and they are joined in their meeting by Dr. Light, um, so that's the beginning of a supervillain alliance, getting all the, 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 the villains together. Um, then you have Blue Beetle and Booster Gold uh, narrowly escaping... Um, an explosion. They find the, the the scarab from Dan Garrett, which is glowing, and then it brings uh, Blue Beetle to meet with the uh, Wizard Shazam. We get a glimpse of a battle between uh, Spectre and Captain Marvel, or Shazam, um, or the, the power of Shazam. Uh, he then kind of comes back to Earth. He's tr trying to go to Martian Hunter for help. Uh, Martian Hunter gets a, a communique from Adam Strange because. Uh, Thanagar is invading Ran. That's a huge deal. There's a lot of explosions. He's asking for assistance uh, from um, from uh, his compatriots, and so Blue Beetle is basically on his own. And then he kind of realizes that there's there's something more going on here, and that he's going to tra trace everything and, and determine what's going on. It leads him to Checkmate's uh, base of operations. He finds out that they kind of know everything about everyone. Uh, they know secret identities. They know everything. When he looks at his own profile, it just shows deceased turns around and we've learned that Max Lord is the head of Checkmate and is um, kind of masterminded everything. And this is a huge deal because up until now, Max Lord was never really that much of a bad guy. He was kind of an antagonist at times in Justice League, and but sometimes a robot, <laughs> sometimes kind of a buffoon, but he was never an outright villain. So this was kind of a, a, a real like holy crap and kind of in some ways diminishes the whole Wahaha era because... It takes the characters from there, like Booster Gold, Blue Beetle, and uh, Max Lord, and puts a very more serious spin on them, which is fine, but the whole era that they're from is much more happy and go-lucky. And here, instead, it's much more brutal, as we also get the first appearance of the these new redesigned Omax, uh, basically, which, to me, are really just are prime sentinels from Operation Zero Tolerance in, what, 97, uh, in the X-Men comics, because they were people who were infected with these sentinels Sentinel kind of configurations that didn't even know that they were, and and out of nowhere they'd be activated and turned into these prime Sentinels. Uh, so they're, they're kind of just like that, but uh, Blue Beetle tries to escape, goes against these uh, Omax, and he basically is given a choice by Max Lord. Max Lord, uh, you know, is like, you can join us, and um, Blue Beetle just says, rotten hell, Max, and then he gets shot in the head, which is absolutely shocking, and is the last appearance of Ted Cord being alive without having been a time-displaced version or a different reality version. 
Um, and uh, it's still an amazing read. Um, it sets up Infinite Crisis beautifully, or at least the count the Countdown miniseries beautifully. Uh, it establishes Max Lord as a villain. Uh, it takes Blue Beetle off the board, and uh, you know, it's really well done. Um, now, at the moment, I'm going to break down. I don't know if I have time for everything, but I'm going to break down um, the OMAC Project uh, miniseries first. Now, this was important. This is written by Greg Raka, artwork by Jesus Says. Um, it's all about Sasha Bordeaux. Well, not all about, but she's a major protagonist here. As we learn more about Brother Eye, more about what Checkmate can do, uh, more about the fact that Batman totally remembers what was done to him in terms of his mind being messed with, and that's why he launched the Brother Eye uh, satellite in the first place. Uh, you have Booster Gold and Diana Prince uh, trying to figure out what happened to, to Blue Beetle now that he's off the grid. Um, Batman gets a, a package from uh, Sasha Bordeaux, who forget what her status was at this point i think i don't know if she's black queen yet he gets uh, the shattered goggles of blue beetle and now he knows the tech court is dead and uh, that no one is safe and that maybe he doesn't have control over brother eye anymore um and that's that's not good um so batman basically goes to superman and uh, booster gold and wonder woman basically says you know he's dead and, and reveals the existence of the brother eye sa- satellite um the uh, t- uh, Max Lord is trying to figure out who would have betrayed his organization to let Batman know about the death of um, of Ted Cord, and uh, we also see that there's still a nice attraction between um, Sasha Bordeaux and Batman, which I liked. Um, and then they all get attacked by Omax. Um, so this is really where the Omax project takes center stage. We learn more about the Omax. We learn about the classic JLI characters trying to kind of band together to go up against whoever would have killed Max Lord. Um, unfortunately, this miniseries then runs headlong into a storyline called uh, Sacrifice, um, which was in the Superman books. Um, and basically, the idea was that uh, Superman is being mind-controlled suddenly by Max Lord. Oh, look, over the years, he was basically expanding his potential control. Now he's able to take control of Superman, make him think he sees things that aren't actually there. Um, then uh, Wonder Woman is trying to like stop Max Lord, and she's like, how do I stop you? And how do I free him from your control? And while she has the lasso around his neck, and Max Lord says, kill me, which is obviously the truth. So then Wonder Woman snaps his neck and kills him, which is obviously setting up the heroes for a major shift uh, because now Wonder Woman is willing to do what needs to be done to save the world, uh, which is con- free Superman from mind control. He knows She knows that the only way to stop Max Lord, as far as Max Lord is concerned, is to kill him. And that's not no hyperbole. It's him telling the truth. So she cracks his neck, and that cr- creates a, a major divide between her and Bruce and Clark, especially with her and Clark, because Clark would never take a life, although he has before, so whatever. I mean, he's killed Kryptonians before, but... When he did do that, he went through such a huge kind of psychotic break that it makes sense that he wouldn't condone killing. Batman, obviously, is very anti-killing. Um, uh, different kind of reasons in Superman, but they're both very much diametrically opposed to what Wonder Woman has done. So this, obviously, really shatters their trinity, which makes a huge difference when uh, Infinite Crisis starts because you don't have these heroes that are kind of united. Instead, you have them fragmented. Um which is interesting. The rest of the OMAC project series is much more about uh, the OMACs kind of uh, starting to really take hold. A bunch of uh, heroes going up against them and trying to stop them. You have Black, uh, sorry, Sasha Bordeaux trying to stop Max Lord as well. Well, not Max Lord anymore, but just stop Checkmate. Um, 
and then uh, at the very end of the series, uh, Brother Eye releases the footage of Wonder Woman killing Max Lord to everyone, and that is a huge impact in the DC Universe. Uh, next up is Villains United. Uh, this is the uh, another countdown miniseries by Gil Simone and Dale Eaglesham. Uh, in some ways, this is probably the smallest in terms of actual impact in the lead-up to Infinite Crisis. Really, all it's about is the fact that all the, uh, the supervillains are gathering together under this society, which is this new kind of regime. But not everyone wants to join the society, and so this new group called the Secret Six are gathered together by this mysterious character known as Mockingbird uh, to kind of fight the power. Um, and it isn't until the very end that we kind of realize what's really going on here, in that the Mockingbird they've been kind of taking orders from ends up being someone else completely different. It ends up being, um, uh, what's it called, uh, Alexander Luther. Although I'm trying to remember if that is actually shown in this issue or not. I know it ends up happening. Um, but really what, what is important, yeah, I know I believe we do see that there's a there's a different um, Lex Luthor going on here. Um What's, what's really big about this series, though, and what makes it such a phenomenal read, uh, is that this is about the team that would become, like, it is the Secret Six. This is Gail Simone's, probably one of her best works at DC. Um, and she rejuvenates the character known as Catman and makes him an absolute badass. And everything that Catman is now, we would not have if not for Gail Simone and this series. Uh, this series obviously spun off. Uh, a Secret Six uh, miniseries, um, and then a Secret Six long-going series. So this one probably has the longest-reaching impact in terms of how it changed these characters and made them into a team. It made fan favorites of Catman, uh, Scandal Savage, uh, a, a Parademon, Ragdoll. Uh, Deadshot was already a fan favorite, but this is a really eclectic group of characters. But under Gail Simone and Dale Eaglesham, they were freaking badasses. Um, as I said, you've never seen as awesome a Catman as you've seen in this book. Um, in terms of the overall countdown to Infinite Crisis, though, it's just, most of it is just these establishing that the society is around and not everyone's going to follow the society, but for the most part, Lex Luthor and his society have taken over everything. In terms of the supervillains are all kind of this, this big army, which is a big thing, considering that at the same time, the Trinity is being smashed into pieces as a result of what happens with Max Lord and OMAC Project. So you have... The heroes kind of falling apart, especially the distrust that came after some of the revelations that will come out during um, this period with people finding out more about the mind wiping that happened uh, during Identity Crisis. So you have the heroes falling apart as the villains pull together. Um, another thing that was a really big deal when this came out, and it was unclear though, is that we have the appearance of Pariah, an important character from uh, Crisis on Infinite Earths, show up, and he's being held by this this Lex Luthor, who we end up finding out is not the real Lex Luthor. Um, and uh, it's very interesting to see how that works. Um, anyways, and sorry, I forgot Mockingbird was the real Lex Luthor, and it was the Lex Luthor we saw in the society, which we now learn in this series is not, this isn't another Lex Luthor, although we don't quite know which Lex Luthor it is, I believe, until Infinite Crisis actually happens. Um, next up is the Rand Thanagar War, written by Dave Gibbons, artwork by Ivan Reyes. Uh, the artwork is brilliant, it's absolutely gorgeous. Story leaves a lot to be desired. Um, it's not a bad war story. You have Rand and Thanagar fighting. You have assorted Justice Leaguers kind of getting involved. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of Rand Thanagar's stories. Uh, I think it suffers from a lot of the same problems that 
are often there. I think Hawkwoman dies as well. Uh, it's harder also to see what the real kind of connection is between this and Infinite Crisis. Or so really, it's about the fact that um, you know there's this new kind of hole in the in reality starting to create be created, and the center of the universe has changed. Um, that being said, like it's it, it's not as clear a connection. And to be honest, to this moment or to this day, I don't really know what the point of this whole kind of new rip in reality was. Obviously, Alexander Luther would stick his hands in and try to rebuild a reality, but um, it, it's kind of an odd thing to look at now as to why did this matter? Um, and all the heroes being there, like the, where they, they tickle Alexander Luther's fingers for a few minutes um, to try and stop him from doing what he was going to do, and then really it was everything on Earth that really ended up mattering. So of, of the four miniseries, I would say in a lot of ways, the Ranth Anagar War maybe has the least amount of impact um hawkwoman dies and it's not a bad war story but at the end of the day villains united ends up spinning out an enormously successful critical favorite in secret six so you have that team being put together you have um scandal savage becoming a fan favorite as well as catman just absolutely being redefined so that happens in villains united omac project's extremely important because you have the death of well in the sacrifice of the storyline that's part of it you have the death of max lord you have the propagation of Brother Eye and the Omax. It's a lot more important to what we're going to see in Infinite Crisis with the Omax being around. And also the distrust that's happening between the Justice League members as a result of both Wonder Woman killing Max Lord and the uh, fact that Brother Eye even exists. Ranthanagar War, harder to see the impact. Um, and then next and last up of these miniseries that lead in um, is, um, let's see, Day of Vengeance, which is written by Judd Winnick. Um, actually, it's interesting. I don't know if I've really read this miniseries in a while. Um, in the Che paperback, you actually have, uh, like, I think First Lightning. It's a fight with Shazam and uh, Eclipso. Sorry, Shazam and Superman against Eclipso. It's kind of interesting that that's in this collection, but I think the main reason is because Gene Loring, the villain in Identity Crisis, at the very end ends up becoming inhabited by Eclipso, which is extremely important to Day of Vengeance. So in Day of Vengeance is written by Bill Willingham, who would later write Shadow Pact, which is important because that comes kind of out of this book again. Uh, Justiano and Ron Wagner were the pencils, uh, or sorry, did, were the pencilers taking care of the pencils. Um, and it's it's interesting because you have the formation of the team, which would later be the Shadow Pact. You have Detective Chip chimp but kind of becoming the fan favorite he would end up becoming uh you have eclipso the new eclipso uh as possessed by gene loring uh the whole thing with uh they go up against uh the specter um specter doesn't have a host at this point in time uh he's kind of been kind of uh has his own war on mag magic and this kind of changes the playing field in terms of uh how magic works going forward uh, and this is important leading into Infinite Crisis because mag the rules of ma magic have changed. The current age of magic is over. Uh, magic is kind of removed from the table. So if you look at what the aims were going into Infinite Crisis, uh, the specter is now kind of rampaging. Uh, and that is a huge thing that kind of is happening when you start reading Infinite Crisis, that you have this rampaging specter and they're trying to figure out where to stop him. Uh, eventually he'll become bonded to Christmas Allen, uh, late of Gotham Central fame, um, around this era, which is interesting. So it, it's, it's definitely, um, it's a fun miniseries for, you know, just the fact that you guys see a lot of magic characters, Blue Devil, um, again, uh, Captain Marvel's in it. You have, um, you know, uh, Ragman, 
really coming out in a big way, Enchantress kind of being reimagined. This is a extremely influential book in terms of where these these Shadow Pact characters would go for the next few years. Uh, they had their own book, as I said, like they became kind of uh, fan favorites. There's a lot of people who really like these Shadow Pact characters, and they and their kind of um, teaming up came out of this series. Also in this series, you have uh, the Wizard Shazam going up against. Um, uh, the Spectre, and, and the Wizard Shazam ends up actually dying, and the Rock of Eternity is blown up. So again, a lot of important things are happening in this series. Um, and actually, the destruction of the Rock of Eternity would also impact Gotham Central very minorly, but it still did happen. Um, and that would kind of impact the magic universe going forward, um, and the characters like Shazam, etc. Especially once you fast-forwarded to one year later, and things had really changed. So that is our, our look at uh, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Again, this came out in 2005 um, on the road to what would become known as, as just Infinite Crisis. Um, and reading these when these came out, it was exciting. It was an exciting time to be a DC fan because, you know, there's this anniversary from a 20-year anniversary since the original Crisis on Infinite Earths. You got this feeling that something big was happening, like there was a really sense of foreboding. Um, the tenor of it all had been set by the Countdown to Infinite Crisis uh, one-shot. Uh, it really made you feel like, like shit was going down. Uh, you were starting to get more and more tie-ins uh, throughout the regular books, um, especially like Villains United tie-ins, seeing villains kind of gathering together. Um it, it was just an extremely exciting time to be a DC comic book fan um, because everything kind of felt like it was coming together. Uh, you felt like the editorial had a massive plan and was really well done and really well researched. And I don't think they've ever done anything so well plotted since. I just think it was just, it just felt like everyone knew what was going on um, and was playing into this larger story. People were going back to see how far they could see, um, you know, the kind of the hints and, and rumblings of the storyline. Uh, even coming up, so it was just extremely exciting. And looking back on it, it, almost makes me sad that I'm not as excited by DC Comics anymore. And they don't. I mean, this is obviously a, a special period because obviously you had, you know, Dan DiDio was not that like new and like he was. He'd been into the job a couple of years, I think. And his big thing was kind of ramping up to this big event. And uh, it just felt like everything fit together. The pieces were all aligned, and you got one hell of a story as a result. Um, Infinite Crisis has its problems. Uh, as as an event, um, it, as a miniseries event, it kind of starts to lose impact near the end. Uh, the fact that you have different artists kind of being involved doesn't help. Uh, but for the most part, I think it still stands up as a really well done story. And I look forward to discussing that in a future podcast in a couple weeks, perhaps uh, to kind of do that flashback to kind of complete the uh, the whole thing. But this this countdown to Infinite Crisis was really exciting nine years ago. Uh, or nine and a half years ago. It's hard to believe it's been that long. It's interesting because when you look at back at it and you look at where the characters were, you're like, man, I, f I forgot how much hadn't happened yet um, and how much needed to still happen or, or you know, just occur. Um, and so I, I look forward to discussing Infinite Crisis on an, up on an upcoming episode. Uh, as I said, I think it is a really strong story. It has some problems, but for the most part, I think it's it holds together quite well. Uh, it's riveting. Um, it has again that sense of something huge happening. It's a crisis. Back when calling something a crisis felt like it still mattered. Um, I think Final Crisis kind of took away a lot of the power of the crisis name, uh, just because it, it just wasn't this, what people expected. Not that it was bad, but per se, but it just wasn't what people expected or really wanted at that point in time. 
Anyways, thank you for listening to episode 204. Um, this has been a little bit shorter than normal, but next uh, week we'll be back with a longer episode. Uh, I'm your host, Adam Chapman. You can email me at comicshenanigans at gmail.com, like us on Facebook, rate and review us on iTunes, and you can subscribe to us on iTunes as well. If you rate and review us on iTunes, I will make sure to uh, read your comment out on the air. Uh, you can also post on our h 2 thread when that eventually goes up. So thank you for listening to the episode, and we will catch you next time. Bye-bye.